Welcome to the Addiction Connection Podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw, and I'm joined today on this podcast with someone who should be very familiar to our regular listeners, and it's Dr. Jim Quigley. Are you Dr. Jim? (laughs) Not even close. Not even close. Well, you're in school so much, and you're always studying and writing. I figured by now you were a doctor, since we haven't talked to you on the podcast in, what, a few months, so... Well, the secret to that, to be able to tell people you're always in school, to take one class at a time, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. then, you're, then you're just always in school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one class at a time. That's great. That is a great yeah. strategy. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Work on my PhD or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I thought we'd read scripture first. I always like to start with scripture. And this is Uh, Just a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to Mm. God. And I think about what you do at Freedom Farm. Tell the listeners, just kind of refresh their memories a little bit on what you do at Freedom Farm as the executive director there. Yeah, simply, I just try to facilitate a environment which is a one-year multi-phase commitment when someone uh, comes to Freedom Farm um, uh, for people to have their heart addressed uh, for their heart problems. And I guess the, I guess the 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 simplest way to explain it, you know, everybody that comes uh, to Freedom Farm is somebody that has been struggling with substance abuse and um, they uh, feel they can benefit from um, being taken out of their environment and put in a specific environment like Freedom Farm to where all the pulls on their desires um, from uh, uh, where they're they're at uh, are basically cut off. Uh, Something I think you call in, uh, I know you call in your your book, Heart of Addiction, Radical uh, Amputation. So they radically amputate the, them, uh, their lives and they come to a place like Freedom Farm, which isn't a perfect environment, but at least um, a lot of those, a lot of those pulls on their desires are, are removed and they're kind of open there now to, uh, to start addressing uh, what's going on in their hearts. And we just, as a staff, try to provide an environment conducive for that. Um, you know, that's basically what we do. I love it. It's the, it's heart level counseling for all of the different tools that people use. Isaiah 44, 9 through 20 talks about the tools of idolatry, how the carpenter stretches out a line and how um, even the tool used to fashion the idol is, is done. And so what I try to talk about is that all these different drugs, whether it's opioids, cocaine, marijuana, alcohol, which is a drug in liquid form, any of these drugs, fentanyl, which we'll talk about in a minute, these are simply tools that the idolater uses to make themselves the way they want to be. So they're carving out their own idol of self using these tools. And then you guys, doesn't really matter what the tool is. I mean, it's usually substance use disorder or, you know, something uh, that they're using, some kind of substance excessively. You guys then deal with their hearts and help them to address the underlying issues that are really going on 
and the things that have Im- impacted them and shaped them. We don't deny environment. We don't deny DNA and, and um, you know, the natural kind of things that, that are in us. We don't deny any of that. We say all of that has an impact, but we, we talk about causally that the causality of drug addiction are these heart desires, you know, fleshed out from our sin nature, but in all kinds of forms do, are they fleshed out and manifested. And you guys do a great job of doing that in your residential program for men. And then you also have carry home for women. Yeah, exactly. There's a, um, there's an identical, uh, women's side. Uh, so just so anybody listening, um, uh, that, that means that they're not together. They're, they're, they're under the umbrella of freedom farm, but we do have carry some for women that is, um, uh, on a separate piece of property. Um, in a much smaller version of Freedom Farm. Freedom Farm's been been running now about 15 years, and Carrie's Home is it's fairly new as far as the identical um, uh, mirror program of Freedom Farm for men. So. Well, it's awesome. And so I just want our listeners to know that you offer help in North Carolina, the Boone, North Carolina area, for both men and for women. You usually start about age 18 or so, I think, right? Is that right? Or Yes. Yeah. We, we only, um, um, admit adults. So, um, we've never ventured into the, um, the, uh, adolescent, um, and I know there's a lot of need for that, but, um, I think it comes with all a bunch of new liabilities that we're just not, we're just not familiar with how to, how to navigate. So, yeah. Uh, praise God for those that, that deal with uh, adolescents. The only reason is just because I don't think we're equipped legally and uh, for liability reasons to deal with adolescents yet. Maybe one day in the future, I'm not opposed to it. I just, no one's ever really helped me out with that whole, with that whole uh, new set of challenges. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> you're probably wise dealing with adults. There's enough uh, issues there right now. And, and, you know, there are programs that help kids and that's all they do so praise the lord for what you guys do yeah and that's actually why i like being a part of the addiction connection just to give a um a a a a shout out because there you go um you know uh this is one of the things that that is challenging you get people that are in desperate need and need help and uh they call your place and like freedom farm or they call like redemption house or or the refuge and, and you send them there and the person, um, you know, doesn't do well at that place. And, and, uh, and the focus becomes the place and it's like, well, it's, it's not necessarily the place is not going to, there, there is not a program unless you, you know of one Mark that is going to fit everybody's exact circumstances, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, it's what's what's so important. What the addiction connection is doing is providing a network um, you know, um, the places I've mentioned just now, um, I have sent people to, um, that have been here and it, you know, this place, Freedom Farm wasn't necessarily, uh, um, the right place, I guess, at the right time, or maybe it's just part of the story. And, um, they have sent people here and, um, you know, we all work together for the same goal, um, knowing that none of us here, um, are, have the ability to change anybody's hearts. We just know that that's where the root of the problem is. And we're just trying to provide an environment. Um, and, uh, the, the influences of, uh, the, the, the scriptures in order to 
point people into the direction to have their hearts changed. And, you know, takes a, takes a village and we have this broad village, uh, across the, across the, the world, actually we're international. We have people in other countries. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to be a part of because, um, it's not the, the, the program dynamics that, uh, that's going to, uh, be the key. It's uh, a person, um, uh, 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 being convicted by the Holy Spirit, led by God's word, instructed by his word, um, uh, with, you know, surrounded by people that are just, you know, walking alongside them, bearing burdens with them. You know, that's really, you know, essentially how, how this, this, uh, this problem is being addressed. Well, that's why I read Ephesians 5. I mean, verse 1 says, be imitators of, of God as beloved children. Then verse 2 is what you just said, and walk in love. You're walking with them in love. You're, you're helping them to learn how to walk in love as Christ mm-hmm. loved and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And that's, the, that's a picture of your residential ministry that I want to highlight for our listeners that is different from a secular program that may offer help, may offer detox and whatever all they do. But what you guys offer is we're going to walk with you and help you to keep your eyes on Jesus, to know him. And it's much more personal. It's much more of a a church feel. I think about Jesus with his 12 disciples and that kind of relationship and what you're doing there. So I I just love it, endorse it, and want to tell the world about it. Well, Let's go to a subject, a national subject, since the Addiction Connection is, you know, this national and now international network uh, of, of programs and providers, counselors, church ministries. Um, it's just kind of mind-boggling to me as I think about that. Uh, we have, you're, you're now the chairman of the board, so I don't know if I should say congratulations or I'm sorry for your loss. Um, (laughs) But uh, you're the chairman now for uh, the Addiction Connection, so welcome. That's the first time publicly I could say that. But I'm I'm seriously, I'm very excited about that and uh, to to bring your wisdom and expertise into that role and position will be great to be a good leader and influencer in what we do. You already lead and influence a lot of people in your area and your local church. So nationally, what I want to talk about is, you know, this has been in the news periodically the last couple of months that uh, persons ages 18 to 45, so that's the age range you're, you're working with guys and ladies, <laughs> ages 18 to 45, the, the number of people who have died from drug overdose deaths just to the drug fentanyl, we're not talking opioids, alcohol, anything else, just fentanyl yeah. and synthetic mm-hmm. fentanyl. It's made synthetically too. The, the number of deaths in that age range, 18 to 45, is higher than COVID deaths, which is something you hear about in the news ad nauseum. It's higher than the number of suicide deaths, which is increasing too lately, and then higher than car accidents and uh, and cancer deaths, from what I, from a stat I read, you know, not too long ago. So, I'd like for you to speak to some of that with the the fentanyl crisis in our country. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It is, um, you know, um, I guess the first thing that hits me um, is I, it doesn't seem. It just seems there just seems to be an imbalance 
when it comes to um, uh, this problem. Um, the imbalance I mean is, you know, this is not to take away from, you know, this world worldwide pandemic we have, but I mean, you see the, you see the amount of attention that that is getting. Um, and I mean, they literally just gave real hard numbers that the leading cause of death between 18 and 45 year olds is not a mixture of, you know, all the drugs that are out there that someone could use and die from. It's one drug, fentanyl. And it, it just does not, I mean, when I tell, I tell people this all, obviously all the time and, and, and people, they, they say, oh, really? Oh, yeah, I heard something like that. And it, it's just kind of still shocking to me that people don't see that this is a real issue that is not getting any better. It is It has gotten significantly worse within just the last few years. Um, you know, I remember talking about the shock and awe when, in 2017, the total death number for drug overdose hit 72,000 people for the year. Right. And and literally one drug. If you if you type in right now, I have it in front of me in, uh, in Google fentanyl death. One drug in 2021 killed 40,000 people. Mm. Just one drug. And here it was: total drug death was 72 in 2017 and it just does not i mean it's almost like a afterthought when people talk about it um and it's just really it's just really for people like me and you you know i just kind of wonder what what is the lord preparing us for because um i don't see that this is getting any better especially with what we're probably going to get into talking to uh, talking about uh, on our uh, on the rest of our time together, especially the way that it that the problem is being addressed, um, and the philosophy behind the the treatments and and uh, and uh, protocols that they're coming up with to address this problem, I think it's going to make it uh, worse. Actually, well, speak to that. I know um, the a lot of fentanyl is it comes from China and Mexico, and it's crossing the border. At alarming rates, they're finding it in Arizona yeah. and different places, enough to kill the whole country, they say, because it's just a very little amount that is put in these pills or in mixed in with batches of heroin or whatever. And so uh, talk to us yeah. a little bit about some of the dangers you see with, with how we, meaning our, our government, our, our culture in the United States, is addressing that. Yeah. So... Um uh, just to give the audience, you know, anybody that's curious, I mean, mo- mo- most of this audience, I would, I would think, probably knows this, but here's some of the street knowledge so you understand why fentanyl has, 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 uh, is, is on the rise and is killing so many people. Um, uh, fentanyl is an opiate. Uh, it is synthetically made. The majority of it's coming from China. But what people don't realize is that this is kind of just like a piece in the long in the long history of how the opioid epidemic, um, you know, has just progressed. And uh, that being that, uh, you know, back when the pill mills, Oxycontin and all that stuff started, you know, uh, you could, you could, there's tons of, you know, history on, on the overprescribing, the, the doctor shopping, the pill mills and all that stuff. 
And as the, 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 the cogs of, of, of the Justice Department across the United States have, have slowly tried to put a stop to it, and I think they, they've done pretty good at, at uh, uh, getting, getting laws passed and whatnot, shutting down the, the immediate access to a lot of these pills, um, you know, people that were on the street, people like me that were abusing those pills, all knew exactly what was going to happen next which was uh, heroin would become um, the next big thing. And, uh, um, and that's exactly what happened. And that because the pills, when the pills, it's all a supply and demand thing. You know, the, the pills uh, started to uh, get harder and harder to get. They started to get more and more expensive. And um, as, that, as that happened, um, uh, 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 the heroin, the, the cheaper version of, of an opiate, um, uh, started to flood the streets, but, uh, heroin is still, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the more expensive product when it comes to, again, the whole supply and de- demand. So, uh, heroin is still something that, uh, they have to get from, from, from nature. You know, you still have to go to poppies and whatnot and get that, uh, opium, you know, in order to make heroin. And, you know, that's a whole conversation in itself, but, you know, all it is is when a cheaper version. So you got a whole country addicted to these pills. You get them on heroin, and now they're ripe for something cheaper and faster. And what a better way to do it than to disguise the drug into the old pills that everybody felt much safer with. And, and if you don't understand what that means, you know, when you're buying a bag of heroin, um, you don't know what's been what's been used to cut that heroin, um, to mix with it. You don't know how powerful it's going to be. So you, you, there is still a sense of caution when people are, are abusing heroin. You know, they, they're, they're most people that are using drugs may not make sense, but they're, they're not looking to overdose and die when they're using the drug. You know, that's not their goal. Their goal is to continue to get high. So there is a sense of, as ridiculous as it may sound, you know, when someone's getting their hands on heroin, they're they're, they're still careful in a way. Um, they don't want to die. So you know, when you're when someone's getting their supply, uh, they're they're still you know testing it by 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 not going full bore into using uh, using as much as they they think they can. So um, these pills, uh, what they're doing with fentanyl now is they're making three pills with them that look like the Oxycontin, the Roxycontin, uh, the, 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 uh, the benzos, whatever, whatever prescription pill people were getting at these pill mills, they're now making a street form of these pills and people are buying them with this idea that, Hey, I'm going back to this. Uh, you know, when you abuse prescription pills, you know exactly how much of the drug you're going to be ingesting in your body. So you, with that said, you know exactly how far you can push it as yeah. far as how much you can take. So they are have that thinking where, well, here's this drug. I've abused this pill plenty of times. I know that I can take three or four of them at a time and just get a killer high. Um, what they don't realize is that that pill has been made in someone's house um, by mixing powders and, and fentanyl together and pressing the pill. They're called pressed pills. And uh, they're taking as many of these pills they think they, they normally can. And they don't, what they don't realize is that it's actually been made with fentanyl and um, it's killing them immediately. And uh, that, that's why there's this 
huge rise on fentanyl deaths. Like you could literally get any prescription pill right now um, that used to be uh, obtained at these these pill mills and whatnot um, for widespread abuse, and they're being made in a in a counterfeit form um, uh, with fentanyl, and it's just killing people left and right. I mean, I get guys here at our program, and I say, you know, we give them a drug test when they first come in, and it just lights up, you know, all kinds of drugs in their system. And I'm like, well, what were you taking? They're like, you know what? I, I don't even know what was in those things. I was getting these pills from my drug dealer and they were just getting me super high. And the drug test is just showing all kinds of, it's like almost a mixture of just garbage, you know, it's all kinds of stuff in there, but with fentanyl being the, the, the leading drug in it because it's cheap, it's synthetically made. So they don't have to, you know, you don't have to go to the, poppy fields of Afghanistan and, and go through all of that to get this. We just make it in laboratories in China and they send it over here um, in mass quantities and just mix it. You, you know, you get your hand on, a, 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 you know, fentanyl powder and you're in some kind of a drug house and you got people that are just mixing it with powders and they get a press and they press pills. And uh, next thing you know, tons of people are dying because who's going to trust, who's going to trust some, some guy in a drug house mixing powders together that he's going to get the get the uh, levels right in each one of those pills. They're not interested in that. They're just interested in making money. Right. So, well, you know. Anyway, that's long explanation about what's going on, but no, that's yeah, good. this is not getting any better. It's not getting any better. Well, there there was a hearing before the subcommittee on oversight and investigations in the uh, House of Representatives 115th Congress this was in March of 2017 so this is almost 4 years ago and the name of uh, this hearing the, the report I'm reading it's just a transcript from it and you can find it on the web is fentanyl the next wave of the opioid crisis this is 2017 4 years ago and here's uh-huh. and, and to back up what you just said one of the prepared statements was by uh, Tim Murphy. He's a Republican Pennsylvania uh, congressman. He said, um, fentanyl's made in a lab, like you said. And he says, you know, it's 50 times more potent than heroin, 100 times more potent than morphine. So after surgery, you get uh, morphine. It helps you to forget about where you are. And forget about the pain and all all associated with that. And this fentanyl is a hundred times more potent than that. And morphine's really all you ever need after surgery, generally speaking. But then he says this: illicit fentanyl has become the MSG of narcotics, a potent yep. additive to heroin, cocaine, or even counterfeit prescription drugs, which is exactly what you're talking about with these pressed pills. This is the way the drug dealers increase profits stretch out their supply and expand the number of addicts by juicing the potency of heroin or other street drugs. Users often don't even know that fentanyl is in the drugs that they are buying. So exactly what you're talking about. They usually know, okay, this is how many pills I can take. I can push it. But with fentanyl added in there, it's extremely dangerous. And then he says this, and this, this is just from the transcript, just two milligrams of fentanyl can kill. Whether you swallow it, inhale it, or absorb it through your skin, you have to be careful even 
handling this stuff for law enforcement, first responder folks, uh, all of that. I mean, if they absorb it through their skin, that's why they wear gloves nowadays. Uh, they can, um, you can, you know, you can be, I saw a video of a guy who just fell out. He, he absorbed it through his skin and, and was uh, doing his job as a first responder and he just collapsed right there and they had to revive him. But here you go. Here's what he says. To appreciate how small an amount two milligrams is, a sweetener packet at a restaurant table contains 1,000 milligrams, and only two milligrams of fentanyl can create an overdose situation. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's amazing is that most of the people I talk to, which is, you know, obviously I, uh, it, it's just a drop in, in, the, in, the, in how many people it's affecting. But, you know, most people are not going in, hey, I want to call my dealer and get fentanyl. You know, I, don't, I really right. don't know anybody that is desiring to use fentanyl illicitly. It's just like what you said. It's just, it's, it's a cheap synthetic product that they're able, drug dealers are able to, to put in, um, you know, a wide ver- a variety of different drugs and, uh, and, uh, they just end up getting fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah. People aren't requesting it. It's just added in there. No, that's good. They point. actually would rather not get, you know, I mean, when you're buying a fake prescription pill, you're, you're buying it because you're hoping that it's the real prescription pill. You're yeah. not you're not hoping it's like this fentanyl lace, uh, you know, drug um, that could potentially kill you. Like, again, back to what I was saying, like you know, these people that are dying, the majority of them are not looking to die. You know, you're not you're right. not like injecting injecting or in, in, in ingesting these drugs because you're like, oh, okay, I hope this kills me. You know, uh, they're they're looking for a, a killer high, um, and uh, uh, and what ends up happening is they end up dying because they didn't get what they thought they were going to get. Right. Well, uh, and and uh, Tim Murphy says since 2013, so this was in 2017, fentanyl overdoses and deaths have surged with no end in sight. Fentanyl and its analogs have contributed to at least 5,000 overdose deaths in the U.S., including the death of music star Prince last year. Well, you just talked about 40,000. And um, and I I have a stat here. This is staggering. I want to get your, your thoughts on this. Fentanyl fatalities among teenagers nearly tripled between 2019 to 2020 and represented 76.6% of adolescents, adolescent overdose deaths in 2021. Yeah. 76% of the adolescents who overdosed did so because of fentanyl um, in, in 2021. I mean, uh, teenagers, getting them younger and younger uh, to, to, you know, and of course with the world the way it is right now, people are very fearful, they're very angry uh, and um, and hopeless. And and, um, and and I understand with good reason. I mean, the only reason I'm not as fearful <laughs> as I could be or as angry as I could be or as hopeless as I could be is because of Jesus Christ and knowing him. And that's why we're so passionate about getting the gospel out to all the whole world, you know, but starting in our own churches and communities. But uh, tripled fentanyl fatalities. So this isn't going away. It's only getting worse. 
and then and that, our, that's just more that's just more to what I was saying. It's like it's just it's shocking to me. I mean, here you go. You just you just gave a, a real stat that teenagers are their deaths tripled from this. And how much are you actually hearing about this? Never. I mean, people like you and I are looking this stuff up, and it, but it's it's really it's not being the the alarm bells are not are, are not being rung. I mean, it, it, right. it's really just like. Hey, you know, to tell you the truth, I didn't even know that stat until you just said it. And, uh, and you know, this is uh, something I pay attention to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, w- why do you think that, 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 that people like even me didn't even know that specific stat? It's because people just aren't talking about it. And I'm a father of young kids. You, you uh, complimented my children at the beginning. Um, I love and, them. Oh, I love them, too. <laughs> and you know what? I would think that, a, you know, I, Maybe it's improper for me to think that most parents, you know, care about their their children and things that can impact their children's lives and whatnot. You, I mean, right now, what is what is on the news? You, you see, you see parents like going to school board meetings saying, "Hey, um, we don't want you teaching these types of things to our kids and whatnot." I mean, that's all over the news. But hey, uh, fentanyl has tripled the deaths of teenagers this year. Yeah. Where have you heard that? Yeah, <laughs> nowhere. You know, and you would think that, um, yeah, I'm concerned about what my kids are being taught in school. Absolutely. But uh, what about the things that are killing people? You know, um, that that seems to be a little bit more of a pressing issue to me. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I met with a youth pastor yesterday and um, I just love this guy and he had no idea. You know, and, and he deals with youth, and uh, it's just not reported in our so-called news. And I'll say so-called because I'm not sure we're really, yeah. you know, we're really getting the truth anymore, any anywhere. I mean, you can't trust any news sources, you know. And and um, and, and these are like you're saying, you're emphasizing these are facts, these are stats, these are public. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a researcher. And I'm I'm finding this stuff quite easily. I mean, it's not like it's hidden, and it's just not being reported. It's not being shouted from the rooftops. And here, you and I, people bring us their loved ones to, for help, and I'm glad to help them. I know you are too. But it's like uh, this is just a problem that people aren't even they don't even care about. And and I and that goes to the last thing I really wanted to talk to you about was. The local church, and you know, part of me wants to say, why doesn't the local church care? You know, why why don't they get involved? But then I think, man, in the church I'm in, the church you're in, they do care. They do want to help yeah. people, and I see it. And I'm glad to be a, a part of such a local church. But it's our churches are few and far between. And so I think it goes to local churches don't know what to do. They view it as a medical problem only, which there are some medical things going on here. Uh, certainly, we want naloxone and and you know or Narcan to uh, revive people who are overdosed. That's sort of a medical thing, but people are carrying Narcan on them who don't have anything close to a medical degree, you know. And uh, it's yeah. people have to. Um, so what do you think about the local church? What can the local church, I want to be positive about the local church. What are they, what can they do and, um, and how can we help them? This is a very difficult subject to think about. Um, 
uh, and to talk about uh, only because there's so much nuance going on here. Um, you know, when you're when you're talking about uh, a problem that's killing people uh, to the degree that that uh, fentanyl is or drugs in general, um, and then you talk about the the church's involvement in it. You got to be very careful not to uh, to attach motivations um, that just aren't uh, that simply aren't there, and it, and we need to talk about a, a subject that that's almost like a in my in, in my opinion it's almost like this this giant reinforced wall that um, that is just barely being chipped away at mm. um, by certain people, and that wall is what you just talked about just how people think and have been told and taught about what the true problem is. Um, uh, most people I know that are, that are Bible believing believers um, at, at, I don't want to like fault them, right? Because it's just what the general consensus is. They are, have been convinced and taught and assured that this is a, a medical issue. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, when it comes to a medical issue, you need letters behind your name. The professionals are the ones that know how to deal with those things. And those professionals are dealing with those things. So yeah, the poor drug, drug addicted person that they really want to see get better. Um, you know, you see a lot of them pulling resources to send them to those professionals that, and help out with that special medical problem. And again, they, they are taught that and know that and believe that, um, just because in general, that's what the consensus is, right? And there's not a lot of people speaking out against that. And if you do, you, you, you look like you're just a, a crazy conspiracy theorist, you know? And that's the, that's the very, crazy tension that people like you and I exist in. Um, and it's it. frustrating. It really is frustrating. I'm not wanting people to, to give me sympathy, but um, they people need to know that it's a very, I mean, I, there are, there are, there are solid Christian people that I know that, that when I tell them something like this, they look at me and their eyes glaze over and they're like, what in the world is Quigley talking about? <laughs> And they they just are they just do not they just do not understand that that this is this is probably beyond the drug itself this is probably the biggest problem in dealing with the addicted yeah um, that the, the 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 consensus including the church's consensus is that this is not a spiritual problem this is ultimately a medical problem. And um, and the professionals have it handled. And there and, and, and there you go. Statistics, statistics don't even prove that. I mean, the statistics actually scream the exact opposite. Yeah. That with all the money that they have thrown at this, with with all the funding that goes to the professionals in quotation marks, their their results get worse and worse and worse every year. And nobody questions it. Nobody, nobody's like saying, well, what, what are we getting for the millions and billions of dollars that is going to this industry of trying to help the addicted? You know, um, I, 
it's just crazy, man. It's just, I, you know, someone like me on that and you that are kind of, that are on the front lines of this stuff. It's just the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, and it's because again, again, what I said at the beginning, the nuance, you know, I mean, I remember growing up, uh, when I was a young kid, uh, you, you, you remember this, Mark, you're, you're not much older than me, but, uh, back when we were all at the dinner table, everybody had to finish their plates because of the starving kids in Ethiopia, you know, <laughs> everybody knew about Ethiopia and the, the problem was very clear. They needed food, right? Right. And so we need to get together and get them food. And, you know, praise God that uh, the, the hunger issues over there um, over the years were dealt with, you know. But, like, we're not sitting around the table saying, hey, 40,000 people died this year of fentanyl overdose. Uh, and you know what? That number includes a tripling of the teen deaths, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, not, we're not sitting around the table talking about those things, Um you know, what, what, what people are doing is like, oh, Johnny had a drug problem. We need to send him to, um, you know, this place the insurance company is going to pay for down in Florida. He need to go hang out on the beach for a while and talk about, uh, you know, how he was born with a disease. And if he just does these steps, then um, then he'll get a he'll get a, a happy, joyous and free connection with the with the uh, creator uh, or a God of his own understanding. And people think this is a good idea, you know, and, and, and they're like, well, you know, it's only working for about 5% of the people um, that come and do this. And 95% of the people are actually going away, actually even in, in worse condition, but Hey, let's keep doing this. You know, this is what we're, this is what we got spending money on, you know, or, yeah. you know, even worse, you're getting me on a, on a tangent now, even worse, uh, send Johnny, or Susie down to Florida and we'll put them on a opiate that they have to take for the rest of their lives, like a slave. And, uh, and, um, you know, this is the answer. Right. Right. It's sad, man. It's very, very, very sad. We are creating generations of zombies and people that have absolutely no idea how to deal with their problems. Right. And it's just going to get worse. Well, and part of the, I mean, I don't want to get ultra political here, but part of what, some officials want is for the masses to rely on government, to rely on them to fix all this stuff. And so people are feeling more and more helpless and more and more inept to deal with their own problems, but much less we're throwing out numbers today that are just monstrous to me. I mean, I'm I'm overwhelmed when I think about 100,000 people died in one year, and that's just drug overdose deaths not including alcohol, and, um, and you hear all these things, you just can't get your mind around that. And you think, well, how can I help 100,000 people? How can I help, you know? But I think the the key here, and everything you just said is, is where I've been at for about a month or two, I think the local church has to get involved a more. When I say local church, I'm not talking about a building or even an organization I'm talking about the people of God, the, the children of God, getting involved, getting trained and equipped. We offer some training and, and um, equipping for people, so we offer that through the Addiction Connection. Uh, but there are other great uh, books and resources and things out there to to find and to read to to be able to help people and to understand, first of all, like you said, it should be just a dinner discussion, a, a table talk 
kind of thing where people are talking about the problem and what are we going to do about it? That that that's the America I grew up in is here's a problem. What are we going to do about it? What can we do? What's one thing we can go do? And we don't have that today. It's like, well, it's a problem and you better fix it. Meaning you, meaning the government, meaning Freedom Farm, meaning Mark Shaw, meaning, you know, you fix me, you help me, you tell me what you know, what to do, basically. And we don't have people who think or even think that they can get involved in the problem. And so I want to encourage our listeners to be the solution rather than just try to look to others to fix things. You know, it's uh, it's one of the things about counseling that is disappointing. I mean, I love when people call me for help, and I had a bunch of calls yesterday. I mean, just a ton of calls from people wanting help. And with, you know, with with all of them, I was happy to help. You know, you're, you want to be patient with them all. But with some of them, I was thinking, wow, you really should know how to deal with this. You should know how to do this. And these are calls from all around the country. It was it was kind of uh, a cross-section of, of the country yesterday. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm so sad that people don't know how to deal with stuff. And, and then maybe some aren't willing, but I think some of it's ignorance. And I think the same is true for the local church. So I appreciate you. And uh, I share these sentiments that that you do, um, that these are stats, these are things that are out there, and I wish people would start talking about it and then start doing, like the book of James says, to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. Yeah, if I could say something real simple here at the end, what the, what needs to happen, I think, in the church level is that the example like I gave earlier, when we were kids around the table, and they said, hey, look, make sure you finish your food because there's kids in, you know, Ethiopia that would, would die to have a plate of food. And, you know, things like that, like we have, like my church right now here is addressing the the refugee crisis from Afghanistan. They're, they're hosting families and whatnot, you know, people that are coming here. Yes. You know, the church looks at big problems and they say, hey, you know what, we can help here. We, we got stuff that we can do here. And we as the church can come together and address this problem because God gives us what we need to deal with life. That's what the Bible says. And these people are struggling with life, and God has the answer. People in the church need to be convinced that that is true for the drug epidemic that's going on in this country. That's right. And they're just not. They're just not. They, they need to get to the point to say, hey, look, there's a problem, and God has solutions for it, and we are the people of God. Uh, we, 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 we work for the kingdom of God. So let's deal with this. Yeah. And um, and they got to have confidence. Uh, they got to have confidence built up in them that that is going to be the ultimate solution. Right now they don't. There is no confidence. It's hey, defer them to the professionals because this is, this is a special problem that the Bible is not equi- it does not equip us to deal with, which is a total lie. It's a total lie. Yeah, it's a supersized problem, you know, it in, is. In, in their minds, and it's not. Well, the Bible is effective for helping people change. Yes. So, yes. Say it again. The Bible. The Bible is effective for helping people change. One hundred percent. Yeah. We have confidence in God's word. We have confidence in God's spirit. And we're delighted that he speaks through us and uses us. So I want to thank you, Jim, for being on the podcast again. Uh, it is so great to have you on this early in the year. And I look forward to doing ministry with you more in the 
year that follows, brother. Thank you. Thank you for what you do at Freedom Farm. Thank you for what you do in your church. And thank you for what you do in your family, leading your family. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, brother. It's always great to be on. All right. Thank you, listeners. Take care and God bless.